Hello, Grace Chapel, Knoxville, and a big happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. We this morning had Cracker Barrel pancakes. My wife likes Cracker Barrel breakfast, so I ran up the street and I got the blueberry pecan pancakes that she likes. So we started our day with some pancakes around our house. And uh, later today, we'll be taking my mom, who lives here now, my mom and dad, will be taking her out for dinner this evening to be able to have some conversation, to give her a little bit of food and enjoyment, a little gift to celebrate our moms. You know, it's a wonderful thing to say Happy Mother's Day and to have a present and to have a card and those kinds of things. But you know, one of the things that's really important for our moms is telling them something that you appreciate about them. So whether you're a little kid in a home or a big kid who's now an adult who has a mom, I want to encourage you this day to be really specific with your mom and tell her what it is that you appreciate about her, what she's contributed into your life. I watch my wife, Cheryl, and, and how she soaks that in when our kids say that to her, when I say that to her as a, as a wife, the mother of our children. So I want to encourage you to do that. I'll tell my mom today, uh, again, as I have for many years, thank you for the way that you've prayed for me. I really do believe that part of who I am today is because I had a mom that would pray. See, as I grew up in our home, my mom would get up at 4.30 in the morning and she would intercede for her husband, for me, my younger brother, Tom. She'd intercede for our community, our church, and the nations of the world. And she might not get up quite that early these days, but she still prays, she still intercedes. And so I'm grateful for my mom's prayers because God heard them. He protected me from some things and guided me. So today I'll be telling my mom, thank you for the way that you prayed for me. And I want to encourage you, don't let this day pass without looking your mom in the eye, talking to her on the phone, and tell her something that you're specifically grateful for. It will mean the world to her. So now we have an opportunity today to look at a little bit of the book of Ezra. I know you've been learning about Zerubbabel and Ezra and Nehemiah and reading those books this week. And I went online to be able to watch the little video with the drawings that, that uh, happen that tells the story. And so you got a little feel of that if you watched that this week. And I wanna share with you more specifically about Ezra and about something that has to do with hands. As you may, may be caught, as you read through the book of Ezra, a half a dozen times it says this statement, and the hand of the Lord was on me. Or it says, and the good hand of the Lord was on me. Now, when we think about hands, there's a lot of things we can do with hands. When I was out on a walk earlier today, I was thinking about hands and all the different kinds of things. So I jotted a few of these things down. Obviously, hands touch. Right now, it's a little limited in how much we can touch, but hands touch. They hold, you know, that we hold something in their hands or we hold somebody. They point, they can give us a direction, point us to not do something or you need to go this way. They protect. Hands can protect us. They can, they can guard us and protect us from th things. Sometimes in these days that we're living, we have to protect others from our cough, don't we? So our hand is used to protect others from our cough. We, we feed ourselves using utensils or just picking up bread and putting it in our mouth. We, we use our hands to give something. And we've all been on that side of a good gift, haven't we? Where somebody has given us a present or they've opened a door for us. They've provided something with that they've given to us. I think about petting our animals. 
And kids, you might think about that too, of petting our dog or our cat. And you know, in our home, when my, my daughter Malia uh, was growing up, we had a ferret. A ferret. Do you know what a ferret is? It's this little tiny, it's kind of a little bit like a squirrel, a little bit like when I lived in Hawaii, we had mongoose. You can go look up mongoose later and see what that is. But mongoose and squirrels, and it kind of looks fuzzy like that. And they And she would keep it in a cage, but once a week, she would want to let it just run around the house. And boy, did we laugh when we saw the ferret run around the house. Her name was Mika. And so Mika would be running all over the place. And of course, our dog, Keely, was, you know, we had to hold her back from chasing because she saw this little thing scurrying around the home. But we had a fun time when we could pet not only Keely, but Mika. So we've learned how to pet. Also, when you think about things like sports, we've learned we use our hands to throw and to catch. And so we, we see these expressions of hands and we see God's hand here. The good hand of the Lord resting upon Ezra. So I want us to explore this a little bit this morning and take a look at this dynamic of God's hand on our life and how Ezra did certain things that cultivated the hand of the Lord being on our lives. Now, the days that we're living in with this coronavirus and, and the isolation, the safer at home, the social distancing, it's really important that we know the hand of the Lord on our lives. Sometimes fear has crept up. Sometimes anxiety knocks on the door. Sometimes just wondering, when is this ever going to end? And this is where God wants us to know that his good hand is indeed upon us. So let's take a little look at this. Now, a little backdrop, just to remind us of this. Uh, this is a, a story that spans about 94 years, so almost an entire century. And that's from 1539 when, when Persian King Cyrus issues the decree that the Israelites the exiles, because they, they had left their, their land, were able to return. Well, then it comes down to 445 uh, BC when Nehemiah brings them back into the land to rebuild the, the walls of Jerusalem. And there's a span there of 94 years. That's a long time. And so in the midst of this, Ezra brings the people in. All right, and God uses Ezra to restore the people. Now, there was an initial run of 50,000 people in 538. It was like a second exodus that came in to help build the temple. And that took 23 years for them to build that temple. And then it was about, let me just make sure I got this right, 57 years after the completion of the temple that Ezra returns with the people. And he begins to teach the people God's ways and how to walk in the ways of God as it relates to the law of God that was given. Now, one of the things that's important for us to realize is that Ezra had a pretty awesome ancestry. When you look at chapter 7 of Ezra, and that's where we're going to be in your Bibles, is chapter 7 and 8, okay? And in the first five verses, we see a number of names listed there that you see his grandfather and great-grandfather and great-great-great-grandfather, and you, and you see this a family line. But if you if you take the time to look at some of these names, because remember, each name in a genealogy represents a, a full life. And so it's good to, to take a look at what's there. And in, in Ezra's, briefly, I just want to give you four names here. The first one is Hilkiah. And you'll see that there in, in Ezra 7, 1 to 5. Hilkiah was a high priest of the temple in Jerusalem during the reign of King Josiah. And he played a key role in discovering the book of the law in the temple, which was a significant thing in the story of King Josiah. So that's in his 
family lineage. Then we have Zadok, which means righteous and justified. And Zadok was the high priest of Israel during the reigns of David and Solomon. Some pretty heavy hitters, two of the kings of Israel. This is in his family line. Then we also see Phinehas, who is the grandson of Aaron, the great nephew of Moses. He is noted in scripture for his zealous slang of Zimri, thus halting a deadly plague that was a afflicting the Jewish nation. And he too became a priest. And of course, he's, he's a descendant, 16 son ofs later, of Aaron, the, the first high priest. And so we have to realize that we're looking at a man who had quite a godly ancestry. And this was, this was passed down to him, probably orally. And at the time, meaning they would, they would rehearse that. Remember, this is the son of so-and-so, and this is the son, and you're the great, 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 great grandson of them. But this was part of his heritage. Have you considered your heritage? Here again, as we're celebrating Mother's Day and thinking of family, what is the godly heritage that God has given you? Or are you the beginner of a godly heritage in your family? Maybe you grew up in a family that didn't know Jesus, but now you get to start a heritage and allow Ezra's to come through your family line. What an amazing thing. So when we see his ancestry, we recognize that Ezra realized that God had his hand on his life for a long, long time. And there were probably many in the family line, like my mom who had prayed for me, that had prayed for Ezra, maybe even before he was born. Okay, awesome stuff. So one of the things I want us to begin to look at now is these expressions of the hand of the Lord or the good hand of the Lord resting upon Ezra. And so you're going to see a half a dozen of these. So let's look at the first one here. Ezra chapter 7, verse 6. And it says, This Ezra went up from Babylonia. He was a scribe skilled in the law of Moses that the Lord, the God of Israel, had given. And the king granted him all that he asked, for the hand of the Lord his God was on him. So this is that first sense of that hand of God upon him, hand of blessing, hand of protection, hand of provision, hand of leading and guiding. And we see that hand here on Ezra. Now, in the context here, we look at this and note what it says. The king granted him all that he had asked. As he was going to make this journey, he had requests for the king. And one of the things that we need to realize is it would have taken a lot for a, a person of Ezra's let's call it social status, to have the boldness to go and approach the king. But because he did, he was granted, he got what he had asked for. And the thing that we need to realize about the good hand of the Lord is when we're walking well with God, his good hand can be exercised in and through our lives with favor. The favor of the Lord. God desires for you to know favor on your life in your relationships, your family life, your business, whatever it is that God's called you to do, your ministry expressions, God desires to express favor through you. He wants to put his hand of favor on you. And what I mean by the hand of favor is the blessing of God. It's God's going ahead of you. It's, it's opening doors. It's, it's him resting upon your life. And when you read the Bible, you will see throughout the scripture at times where it says, and the favor of the Lord was upon them. We see in Luke, uh, I believe it's chapter two, where Jesus had, the, it said, and the favor of God was upon his life and he had favor with man. 
In other words, God had given him favor. Like for whatever reason, they would listen to him. See, sometimes when God gives us favor, people listen to us or they take the products that we develop or the things that we have to give and they're received maybe more so than others because God's favor was upon them. And we see the hand of favor upon Ezra here. As Ezra requested things from the king, the king gave him everything he needed. All right, let's look at the second one. Chapter seven, verses nine and 10. And it says this, for the good hand of his God was on him at the very end of verse nine there. And then verse 10 says, for Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statues and rules in Israel. Now, before I get into the practical parts of this, I wanted to share something more personally. So I uh, left home as an 18-year-old to go be a missionary with Youth of the Mission. And I spent seven years in Hawaii and was discipled there and trained there. And it set my life on a very specific trajectory, kind of built on the foundations of the prayers of my mom. Well, I left there after seven years, came back to Minnesota. And there was a window of time when I was about 25, 26 years of age where I begin to wrestle with, am I to continue on as a missionary? Do I continue on as a pastor and, and in ministry? Is that something that God is calling me to? Or I begin to think about uh, going back into television broadcasting. And I shouldn't say back into, but, but a heart set towards that. You see, when I was in high school, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a TV anchorman or a sports announcer or something like that. And so I begin to pause while I had this little window of time to begin to ask the Lord, am I to be in ministry? Am I to pursue television? And there were some doors that opened for me going back to school. But as I was seeking the Lord during that time, I just was waiting on him one day and the Lord just dropped this passage into my heart, Ezra 7.10, just kind of waiting on the Lord, Ezra 7.10. I don't know if that ever happens to you, but once in a while, the Lord will put a passage on my heart. I didn't remember or know what this passage was, so I got my Bible and I opened it and I read this. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord, to do it, and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. And the Lord used that to show me that he didn't want me to drift away from where I had been in ministry, but that he had called me to be somebody that he wanted me to learn his ways in his word. And first, to apply it in my life. And then secondly, to be able to pass it on to others. This was a very significant moment for me as that 25, 26-year-old that, that shifted the trajectory of my life in, in a further place of where I was, where it could have shifted it a completely different way. So when I had the chance to look at this passage, preparing to share with you uh, this week, I had a delight in my heart of being reminded of God's call on my own life. So when we look at this particular passage here in its context, one of the things that we need to realize, again, is, is when we consider that Ezra was actually born in Babylon, we appreciate his pursuit of the scriptures. You see, we probably had some of the priests that, again, they're removed from their own land. They're taken into exile, stripped away of many things. But there were probably some of the, the scribes or the priests that had taken some of the Old Testament scrolls with them. And you see, had they been back in Jerusalem, this would have been a normal thing going on in the temple. But there was no temple. And so it shows us the diligence of this man, Ezra, 
And Ezra, by the way, wasn't very old. M many think he was born in about 480 and died in 440. So we're talking about a young guy here that pressed in to some things of the Lord. And even when his culture, when his environment, it wasn't around him, he pressed into it. And God used that to shape Ezra to be the man he became. And I just want us to look briefly at these four pieces because you'll, you'll notice that it was these four things these are the reasons in Ezra's life that the good hand of the Lord was upon him. I want that in my life. So it's causing me to pay attention to this once again. And it's coming right from that portion of scripture the Lord spoke to me in 1986 about my own call. So, so look at these briefly with me. First of all, he set his heart. Ezra faced the huge challenge of leading thousands of captives back to Jerusalem. He knew that it was going to be more than he could handle. And he had to set his heart to let God prepare him for the work that God needed to do in him before he could lead through him. So he set his heart. Have you set your heart? Have you set your heart to say, I will do the will of God. I will pursue him with all my heart. Ezra did, and he invites us to do the same. Secondly, it said to study God's laws. And I want to broaden that to mean not only the, the laws of God, like think of the Ten Commandments, but the ways of God, how God would go about doing thing and things. And he set his heart to study it, to learn the wisdom of it. He studied it to know God's heart and God's perspective. Are you doing that? See, the good hand of the Lord rests on those that know God's ways and walk in them. See, God blesses it when we walk in his ways. When we don't walk in his ways, we don't know his blessing. But he wants his good hand to be upon us, not only because we're his sons and daughters, but because in the way that we're walking as well. Third, Ezra did it. All right. He not only knew the word of God, but he made application of it in their lives. And I want to encourage you to do that too. See, God's not as interested in our information as our transformation. And so I want to encourage you, the things that Pastor Jake is teaching, the things that you're getting in your small groups, the things that you're getting in your quiet times with the Lord, in your readings through the Bible this year, are you pausing to say, how does this apply to my life? You see, God desires that for us. And Ezra set his heart not only to, to study it, but to do it. And Jesus taught us, didn't he, in Matthew 7, that he who hears my word and does it is a wise man as opposed to he who hears my word and doesn't do it, is a foolish man. Let's do God's word. Ezra did, and so can we. Look at this fourth thing. Not only did he do it, but he taught it. He passed it on. So Ezra just didn't study it, apply it in his own life, but he began to teach it so he could pass on the ways of God to others around him. This was part of his role as a scribe. It was helping people around him recognize, no, no, this is not God's ways. This is God's ways. Look at how God wants to bless us when we walk in his ways. And so there was this unique thing of setting his heart, studying, doing it, and teaching it. And because of that, it says the good hand of the Lord rested upon his life. All right, let's look at this third one. Ezra 7, 27 and 28. Blessed be the Lord, the God of our fathers, who put, put such a thing as this into the heart of the king, that he would release them and send whatever they needed, to beautify the house of the Lord that is in Jerusalem, and who extended to me his steadfast love before the king and his counselors, and before all the king's mighty officers, I took courage. You'll note from here through chapter 9, verse 15, now there's a little I that he inserts here. 
I took courage for the hand of the Lord my God was with me and I gathered leading men from Israel to go up with me. I love this. I took courage for the hand of the Lord was upon me. There's times in our lives that we need to take courage. Think of it. There's the use of hands again, isn't it? Taking courage. Sometimes we think courage means that we're never fearful. And that's really not a good understanding of courage. We have courage. We have faith in God. We have trust in God. We have hope in God. Courage in God, even in the midst of fear. See, that's real courage. Courage isn't just when you're brave. Courage actually is exuding the most strength when we still go on to do the right thing, even in the midst of fear. Here in the midst of coronavirus, we can walk courageously. We might not be out there doing the things that we normally do, but we can be walking courageously in the midst of this. And so one of the things that God wants to give us with his good hand of being upon us is courage. And you can flip that and say, when you set your heart to take courage, his good hand will be upon us. I love that. Very needed in our day. Okay, let's look at this fourth one. This fourth one. Uh, chapter 8, verse 18. And it says, And by the good hand of our God on us, they brought us a man of discretion of the sons of Mali, the sons of Levi, the son of Israel, namely Sherebiah with his sons and kismen, 18. Also Hashabiah and with him Jeshiah and the sons of Mary with his kinsmen and their sons, 20 of them. Besides 220 of the temple servants whom David and his official had set apart to attend the Levites. These were all mentioned by name. So one of the things that I want us to recognize here is it says the good hand of the Lord brought to them a man of discretion. And one of the things that we can trust the Lord for in our lives is that God will bring us the right people. Whether it's a task you have to have done and it's bringing somebody by your side, just like here in this story, or whether it's relationships in your life. The hand of the Lord, the good hand of the Lord, wants to bring around us the people to not only be a blessing and enjoy, but to participate in kingdom advancement in light of the things that he's called us to do. And so we see that here, the good hand of the Lord giving to Ezra the right people. It's awesome. The fifth one, chapter 8, verses 22 and 23. It says this, for I, here's the I again, for I was ashamed to ask the king for a band of soldiers and horsemen to protect us against the enemy on our way, since we had told the king, the hand of our God is for good on all who seek him and the power of his wrath is against all for, who forsake him. So we fasted and implored our God for this and he listened to our entreaty. The he there is God. Now let me just read something to you. If the good hand of God wasn't with them, everything would fail. But to receive the blessing and help of God, they had to humble themselves and seek his face. So Ezra called for three days of fasting and prayer, asking God to protect them on their long journey. When you consider the factors involved, you see that what great faith Ezra had. You see several thousand Jews, 1,500 to 2,000 of them, inexperienced in travel and war, carrying huge sums in gold and silver, led by a scholar and not a soldier, traveling through dangerous territory infested with bandits. And so he knew that the good hand of God wanted to be on him. 
and wanted to be on the people. So they fasted and they prayed. And it's interesting the faith he had here because he had God's name in mind. And because he had told the king the good hand of God was with him, he was hesitant to request for extra help because he wanted the king to see God's name honored and that God would protect the people. Again, it shows the great faith that's there. So we see the trusting here of Ezra on the good hand of the Lord to protect them. Okay? If you look at this next one, and I believe it's our last one here, chapter 8, verse 31. It says, Then we departed from the river Ahava on the twelfth day of the first month to go to Jerusalem. The hand of our God was on us, and he delivered us. Remember, they fasted and prayed for safety. Now we see it. He delivered us from the hand of the enemy and from ambushes by the way. They covered about 900 miles over a period of four months, and the good hand of God protected them until they had arrived. The good hand of the Lord protects us from the enemy. The good hand of the Lord is on us when we do what he asks us to do. Sometimes we get in situations and our eyes see things a certain way and it causes us to fear. But when you know that God says, this is what I want you to do, and he knew that. God had given Ezra the blessing of the king, the provisions he needed, the 1,500 to 2,000 people that were to go with him. He brought alongside this man where God had given him a man of discretion. And so with courage with favor, with obedience, Ezra pressed forward. And God protected them 900 miles, not being led by a soldier, an experienced traveler, by, but by the student of the word. It's an amazing thing how the good hand of God can spread out to do so many things for us when we walk with him. So let me just summarize this and give us some takeaways for the day, all right? First of all, I want to remind you that Ezra 7.10 frames for us the kind of person, attitude, and actions that allow the good hand of the Lord to rest upon us. It was setting one's heart towards God. It's digging into the scriptures to learn of God's characters and ways. It's life transformation versus information by practicing or doing or obeying what God showed us. And then it's purposely passing God's ways on to others. When we set our hearts to do that, I can assure you from the scriptures, not because of Dave, but because of the scriptures that God's good hand will rest upon your life day in and day out. So as we look at these things of setting heart, studying the word, doing it, passing it on to others, I want to challenge you. Are you in that place in your life? Now, I know we're limited a little bit right now in what we can do, but generally speaking, and in where, we're, where things will go when, when the world opens up again to us, I want to encourage you, dig into the word. Set your heart there to pursue God and dig into his word, to make it a practice in your life as a disciple. And another way that we can say passing things on to others is becoming a disciple maker. Are you discipling other people in the things of God? Well, as Ezra was doing this, the good hand of the Lord rested on all those attitudes and actions that he took. Let it be the same with you and me. And then, and finally, as we reflect upon the good hand of the Lord and what he did, he brought Ezra favor. Where do you need God's favor? Is there a business thing? Is there a housing thing? Is there a building thing? Is there finance, finances that you need God's favor? Begin to ask him for favor in those areas while aligning your heart to those four things that Ezra walked in. Courage. The good hand of the Lord gave him courage that, so he could take courage 
in a difficult situation. He allowed him to partner with the right people, giving him the provision of the right ones that needed to be around him at the time. And then when combined with fasting and prayer, there was divine deliverance and protection. The good hand of the Lord rested upon Ezra. And may the good hand of the Lord rest upon you in these days of your life. Hey, it's been a privilege to be with you. Grace Chapel, Knoxville, know how much we love you. We pray for you. We try to support Jake and Amy and the team. We love the team there. And uh, I do pray that as we labor a little bit longer before the world opens back up to us, and it may be a different world even when we get there, pursue the things that you can in your heart to set your heart, to study God's word, to do it in obedience out of your love for him and disciple others to do the same. And you will know favor and you will know courage and you will know provision and protection. And I just pray that over you today in the name of Jesus. Amen.